This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We want to direct our thoughts to the perfect record of the resurrection found in Scripture. There are many infallible proofs, but we need to go to the Bible that gives the perfect record and in fact encourages our faith. But I'm going to ask us to do something that for a Christian is nearly impossible. Try to imagine that there was no resurrection. Now that may jolt you this morning. No resurrection. By the way, you can go to the biblical record and you can watch some people who for a short period of time thought that there was no resurrection. The music alluded to it today. Disciples, the ladies who were Jesus' followers, I admire their faith, but they were coming to a tomb to anoint a body once again, and they weren't even sure how they were going to roll the stone away. These folks were devastated. Try to imagine. Now, a child of God rooted in the Word of God will struggle to do this, especially after our hearts have been stirred with the realities, the reminders in the service, the music, the videos. The resurrection is our only hope. Listen to Paul's words to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So that's our hope. But imagine if that hadn't happened. It's sobering to think that in the first uh, years after our Lord arose and returned to heaven, that there were doubters. There were doubters in Paul's day, in fact, In the city of Corinth, where a church had been established, uh, there were those who were denying the resurrection. That's always puzzled me because if Jesus didn't raise those who were denying the resurrection, they're in big trouble too. Nevertheless, that's what they were saying. And so, in 1 Corinthians, the Holy Spirit allows Paul to ask, what if? What if the resurrection hadn't happened? So this morning, imagine with me no resurrection. Think about that. Think about a tomb where the stone is still there. Now, the Holy Spirit directed the apostle to write about this in 1 Corinthians 15. And would you go to the chapter that that we know as the resurrection chapter? As you're turning there, I smile because when I turn to 1 Corinthians 15 in my Bible, my pages are wrinkled because on multiple occasions I have stood next to caskets in graveyards 
with this Bible open as it's been drizzling rain, and I've been declaring He is risen, which means that we have hope. But what if? No resurrection. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, God allows Paul to discuss this beginning in verse 12. If there were no resurrection, we have to start with this reality this morning. Jesus is dead, and no one else would be raised either. In fact, if you look at verse 16, that's the summation of this. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. So let's work through this text quickly, and let's just examine if there was no resurrection. If Christ be not risen, and I've entitled our message, try to imagine that. If Christ be not risen, well then first of all, preaching has no profit. Look at verse 14. And if Christ be not raised, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And by the way, you all being here today, welcome, but you're wasting your time. That's what he's saying. Preaching is vain. We could all go home. Our preaching is useless. It's false. You can take the book of Acts, for instance, and tear it from your Bible. Why? Because the messages preached in the book of Acts all point to the resurrection. And I list them here for you, but you can just go ahead and cross them out. Acts 1.22, Acts 2.32. Go ahead and put the next slide up. Thank you. All right. 4.10. The message in chapter 13, just cross it all out. Because every time they preached Jesus Christ, they declared the resurrection to give people hope. By the way, it set it apart from all the other religions, all uh, the thinking about the gods in the Greco-Roman Empire. But if there's no resurrection, preaching has no profit. Next, our faith has no foundation. Look again at verse 14. And your faith is also vain. Now if you believe Jesus is risen, your faith is empty and meaningless too. Faith has no foundation. Early in this letter, chapter 3, verse 11, Paul told the Corinthians, For one foundation, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is our head. He is the foundation of the church. He established the foundation in his death, burial, and resurrection. On top of that, the apostles have built. And those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're building on that foundation too. But all those efforts are in vain if you've put your faith in an unrisen Savior. Pretty sobering, isn't it? If Jesus is dead, you're still a sinner and you're still under its penalty. And that's what verse 17 shows us. So if the resurrection didn't happen, your faith has no foundation because Jesus isn't the foundation and you can't trust anything that he said. I do believe that this is why the disciples struggled so much when they knew he had been murdered, but they didn't know he had yet risen. 
This is why they struggle. If, if he's dead, what can we trust that he said? By the way, he did predict he would rise again. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Listen to Matthew 17, 22, 23. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. So he said that. If there was no resurrection, you can't trust any of that. Now this also puts our faith in a dead man like the other religions of the world. Now I'm just going to step aside from this line of thinking this morning. I'm so thankful that I serve a risen Savior. You can look at this world and you can see where there has been light, the light of the gospel. You'll see transformation. You'll see freedom over sin. You'll see blessing. But those parts of the world that have followed those who didn't believe in Christ, spiritually they're dead just like their leaders are dead. Those false religions, they can only speak of an afterlife based on their own theories and supplications. And so, Muhammad has a tomb that his followers can visit. In fact, uh, to try to get to the afterlife, you have to make a pilgrimage to this place. You don't go to an empty tomb, you go to somebody's tomb. Still there. Have you ever heard of Siddhartha Gautama? I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing that right. I tried. Do you know who that is? Well, you've heard of him. They found his cre created, I'm sorry, cremated remains in a box in China. You know him by Buddha. Right on the side of this, this tomb. Buddha. They can visit his grave. There's only one faith in all the world that can take you to an empty tomb. And that's Christianity. The Christ, the Messiah of Israel who came and who died on a cross and he did rise again. But what if that hadn't happened? What you believe is no different than the deadness that others believe. If the resurrection isn't true, preaching has no profit, our faith has no foundation. Next, believers, and I'm speaking about us, believers are beguilers. We are deceiving ourselves and others with false hope. That's what a beguiler does. Offering something that isn't true. Deceived and deceiving. 1 Corinthians 15, 15, look at it. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. 
In other words, those who declare the resurrection are false witnesses of something that God didn't do. That's serious. There are Jehovah's false witnesses out there, and there are others that claim to believe in Jesus Christ, but they declare another Christ. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we're no different than they are. As Spurgeon said, the, the London preacher, this makes every apostle, martyr, and professing Christian a common cheat. This puts our claims on the same level as every other religious cult leader who's ever lived. But at this point, we need to ask a question. Why would apostles and other martyrs confirm with their own blood the resurrection of Christ? People claim to believe many things, but seldom will they die for a lie. Church history tells us that there were thousands, there have been millions who have been willing to die for a risen Savior. I believe that's part of the proof that, in fact, he lives. But if he doesn't live, why would you die for that? Consider how the resurrection motivated men like the Apostle Paul. Again, as he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 8 to 11, listen to what he says. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. What is Paul saying? I suffer these things because I believe there's a risen Savior. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It's a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. What Paul was saying is, I don't care what happens to me here. I don't have to fear anything, including death, because I'm going to be raised to be with my risen Lord. But if the resurrection isn't true, Paul, that's just a bunch of positive thinking that gets you nowhere. Next, if the resurrection isn't true, he goes on, sinners have no salvation. And this is where it really gets personal. Would you look at verse 16? For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. He repeats himself again. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are of all men most miserable. Now think about this. If the resurrection isn't true, those who have fallen asleep have perished. Our loved ones have perished. We're headed to eternal judgment as well. Only the first part of Romans 6.23 is true. The wages of sin is death, and you can put a big period there. 
I'm so glad that Romans 6.23 goes on and says this, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now ultimately, chapter 15 verse 19 is also true if Christ is not raised. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know what that word miserable means? Miserable. But it means we're pitiful. Have you ever seen those who are in great misery and, and your heart goes out? It's just sometimes it's pitiful to watch that. And Paul is saying if the resurrection didn't happen, we are a bunch of pitiful folk. We've staked everything on a myth. We're fools. Now, I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit had Paul stop this line of reasoning in verse 19. And this brings us now to verse 20. And I want you to read these verses with me in unison. I'll let you remain seated, but would you read with me verses 20 through 23? Read it because it's true, all right? Let's read these verses together. Verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. Stop right there. How can he be coming? Because he rose again. Ascended to his father, he's seated at the right hand of his father, and he is coming back. Risen Lord, conquering king. Hallelujah, he is risen. Over 500 witnesses saw him after his death. Do you know there are Roman soldiers that are convinced he rose? They tried to guard that tomb. Wasn't that silly? <laughs> I'm going to keep God in there. No, you're not. No, you're not. 500 witnesses. Oh, by the way, those who murdered Jesus, they believed it too. How can you say that? Because they paid off the people that knew to keep their mouths shut. To tell a lie, and the Bible tells us, they're still repeating that lie. They were repeating that in Paul's day. They're still repeating that lie today. Do you know the greatest proof that Jesus lives? I'm looking at it this morning. You're looking at me this morning. Transformed lives bear witness to the resurrected Lord who indwells us. Now, when the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, who is in you? The resurrected Lord. The one who has power over death. He conquered sin. He lives in you. Now, if you'll give me just a moment, let's be specific here because... This affects our theology and the reality of who we are. First, his resurrection resulted in your regeneration. Let me explain. 
1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's talk about regeneration for a moment. Just as Jesus had a new quality of life in a glorified body after his resurrection, that prepared him for eternity with his Father. So also he earned for us resurrected life, a treasure that we now have in these earthly vessels. And listen carefully to how Paul describes this in Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. In other words, new life. He's brought the dead to life. That's what he did for you and me. When you trusted Christ as Savior, he put your old nature to death and he came into your life. You have the risen Lord living in you by his Spirit if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's quickened you by whose grace we're saved and hath raised us up together with him and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, admittedly, when the Ephesians were reading this letter, I think the last part of this startled them. I'll be honest, as I was studying this, and I've read this passage before, I had to pause and I had to look back. Wait a minute, okay, I get the whole, whole matter that I'm saved by grace, that the living Lord lives in me, but what about this? He has made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Present tense. Do you know that because of Jesus living in you, God already sees you, Christian, in heaven with him? Wow. Yeah. The God who sees eternity at once sees you with him in heaven right now. Why? Because you are indwelt by the resurrected Lord, his son. When God raised Christ from the dead, he saw us as being raised with him and the indwelling Christ now grants us resurrection power to be transformed into the image of Christ. When Jesus died, he paid for sin. When he rose, he conquered death and sin. If you're a Christian, you have resurrection power here to overcome sin as well. The same power. Now, let me just pause and apply. Christian, if you are living in sin with the resurrected Lord here, do you know what you're doing? You're denying the resurrection. And you are miserable because the Spirit bears witness to the fact that not only are you a child of God, but you should be different because resurrection power has already given you the victory over that sin, and yet you're still bound by it. That's your choice. That's not his fault. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? I serve a risen Savior. 
and he lives within my heart. That's regeneration. That's the reality. Let's move on. His resurrection also resulted in your justification. Romans 4, 24 and 25. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed. Now the it, if you look at the context, is talking about his righteousness, verse 22, being imputed. It has been applied to you. But for us also to whom his righteousness shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who also delivered for our, was also delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now it's important that you get these truths here because it will affect how you live. There are Christians that think, well, I should continue in sin that grace may abound. The Bible says, God forbid. How can we who are dead to, this, to that sin and alive unto Christ, how, how, how can we live that way? Okay, Again, that, that goes back to our regeneration. But justification means that you have been declared righteous. Let's take a closer look. In fact, I'm going to quote. Theologian Wayne Grudem here, but I think what he says just makes this so clear I couldn't have said it any better. Here's what he says. By raising Christ from the dead, God the Father was in effect saying that he approved of Christ's work of suffering and dying for our sins. That his work was completed and that Christ no longer had any need to remain dead. There was no penalty left to pay for sin, no more wrath of God to bear, no more guilt or liability to punishment. All had been completely paid for and no guilt remained. That's why Jesus could say it is finished. When he died on the cross, he paid for all of our sin, past, present, future. When he died, all of our sin was future. He completely paid for it. What was the resurrection? When God raised his son from that tomb, he was saying, you have satisfied my justice concerning the sins of mankind. Remember, he didn't have any of his own. He was made our sin. The nasty, ugly that we are, that's what Jesus became. And he died. The wages of sin is death. They put him in a tomb and God confirmed it is finished. He raised his son from the grave. The price was paid. The penalty is done. And so when you admit to God you're a sinner, you believe on Jesus Christ, and the living Lord comes in you, do you know what you also receive along with his power? You receive his righteousness. And when God looks at Mike, he doesn't see Mike. Hallelujah! He sees Jesus. And because he was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice, he accepts me and he accepts you because of the resurrection. 
Just as Jesus found favor in God's sight as proved by the resurrection, so also God declares those righteous who will by faith receive his sacrifice for sin and believe his resurrection. That's why it's important if you're going to believe on Christ, you don't believe in a crucifix. We believe in an empty cross and an empty tomb. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I had the joy yesterday morning of leading a man to the Lord. And it's, it's always a joy to share the gospel and see God turn the light on. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love Romans 10, 13. But I love the verses ahead of that. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in thine heart that God did what? Raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. See, you've got to believe the resurrection. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness is made righteous. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so Jesus was raised so we too could have his righteousness and be made fit for the kingdom of God. Of heaven. Now, there's more that I can say. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he didn't have the same body. He had a glorified body. And because he walked out of his tomb, I'm going to get a glorified body someday too. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of this body. I don't need the gal at McDonald's to remind me when she gives me the senior discount that I'm getting old. <laughs> that shocked me. She is, sir, and, and here's, here's the senior discount. And I'm like, stop it. I'm not that, wait a minute, I am that old. <laughs> I thought, young kid, wait a minute. She's right. I, uh, denial, okay. But a glorified body you know what's different about our glorified body and his glorified body? His has scars. Mine won't. Every flaw, gone. You're going to meet me in heaven and wonder, who's the guy with hair? Anyway. <laughs> Praise God for the resurrection because it means regeneration and justification. So we started our trying to imagine no resurrection in this message. We started out that way. Aren't you thankful he is risen indeed? For just a moment, the Holy Spirit takes us down that dreaded path. What if, what if, no, 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 no. It's certain he lives. Doubters can wallow in their unbelief, but the proofs that Jesus lives are undeniable because of the infallible scriptures. The empty tomb, I've been in that tomb now four times. I marvel every time. There's a picture of it in front of you. That tomb fits. Go back to the previous slide, please. I'm not making this easy this morning for our sound booth. That tomb perfectly fits the description of what the Gospels say the tomb was. And if you look at that thing, 
What's missing is there was a stone slab. You can see where it would have been. Underneath is where the family over generations would have put the bones of family members. Someone took the slab. I think it's more proof that Jesus laid on that slab. Somebody wanted that slab. You'll notice on the far right, though, and it's hard to see in this picture, it looks like in the last minute the end was carved away. This tomb, owned by a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, that thing was cut just for him. But what we see is that at the last minute somebody chiseled that thing to be longer because it was going to hold a body that was not intended to be in there to begin with. When Peter and John arrive at that grave, John's afraid. He's the younger one. He got there first, but he pauses, and then there's Peter. He charged right in. But he had to go in because next to this burial area, there's a mourning area. You had to go into the tomb to get around the corner to see what was there. Peter goes in. John follows him in, and here is what John sees, and he said it is at that very moment that the resurrection was sure in his mind. They look around the corner. They see that stone slab. They see the burial clothes, but here's what they notice. It looks like a body evaporated right out of those burial clothes, like, like a resurrection. And then off to the side, whoever raised off of that, that stone slab unwrapped the head cloth, folded it, and set it down with the rest of the grave clothes. And then he walked out. Hmm, that's what the Bible says happened. So the infallible record of Scripture, an empty tomb, but hallelujah, the changed lives of Christians because their new nature is the very person of the resurrected Lord. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives in my heart. And he is changing me. Not as fast as I want to be changed. My family can tell you I'm not where I need to be, but I praise God I am not where I was. He lives in my heart. So this whole notion, what if there was no resurrection, forget it. He lives. By the way, I need to pause and just welcome him to our service this morning because where two or three are gathered together, there is the risen Lord in the midst. Jesus, thank you for being here with us today. My prayer is that you have been exalted by what's been preached and sung and played. And so I close with this today. Christian, no reason to doubt the resurrection, but are you acting like you don't believe it? Does the sin in your life, is there any habit, is there any way that you're living, maybe just devoid of the fact that Jesus lives here? It, practically, you're denying the resurrection. If there's any area of obedience that you've excused, or disobedience that you've excused, well, well the Lord understands, no, he rose to conquer that. He doesn't understand 
You're saying he's not able to help you be an overcomer. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You need to confess that to the Lord today and say, Lord, forgive me for denying the resurrection practically in my life. And then Christian, or, or I'm sorry, unbeliever. I hope the message this morning has convinced you. You need to be convinced. Jesus lives. Some people deny it because, well, if I deny it, then I can convince myself I'll never have to meet him. Oh, no, you're going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. I can't wait. But let me say this to you. You can have the same assurance and freedom from guilt and hope, confidence of heaven if you'll simply admit to God you're a sinner and receive Christ as your Savior, just like those around you have done. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He didn't come and suffer all of that just to pay for a few. He came and suffered to pay for you. Okay? He loves you. And right now, if you feel a tug in your heart, guess what? That's the risen Savior saying, come to me. All ye that are weak and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to me. If you can't look back in your life at a time when you ever admitted to God you were a sinner and invited Jesus to be your Savior, Easter Sunday, today, is the day. Now's the day of salvation. Would you believe on him? Father, thank you. for raising your son as holy God through that mighty act you confirmed that the sacrifice was all that was needed to pay our sin debt. Father, thank you for so loving the world that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And when he came, you knew he would die, but you purposed to raise him because he was the Lamb of God, perfectly qualified to bear away the sins of the world. Now, Lord, I don't know how you've worked in hearts today, but would you have your way on this Resurrection Sunday? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Christian, is your life a testimony to the resurrection? Is it a testimony? Can people tell that you have resurrection power in you because you're not like the world? You're living a victorious life. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, and people know it. People see it. People hear it from you. If this morning God has spoken to your heart because practically you're denying the resurrection by some pet sin, by some area of disobedience, would you just talk to God right now about that? Thank Him for the resurrection and then confess that sin to Him and also confess, Lord, I'm sorry I've been a contradiction to the reality of the resurrection. Christians get discouraged 
Sometimes we mope around. We, we really do act like Jesus is dead. <laughs> He's not. Would you talk to the Lord about that today? Right now. And then, friend, if you are not a child of God, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ alone, would you do that today? Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.